Hooper now offloads. Oh, so close, still short. Glaubanga. There he is! He's over! Hello and welcome to Pick and Drive Live, the live edition of our weekly podcast where we review and preview the big matches in Australian rugby. I'm your host, Mitch, and with me tonight is regular host, Rev. And we've got a special guest tonight joining us from ABC Sport Canberra and also regular contributor to the Raw, Brett McKay. Brett, how are you this evening? Yeah, good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to it. Awesome. So we normally have Ando, and unfortunately tonight he wasn't able to join us. So Bear with us. I am going to be hosting this and, and driving this thing. So we'll see how we go. Might be a bit bumpy, but we'll get through it. Uh, so just a reminder for everyone watching along at home, uh, re- get involved with your questions, comments, and banter, and we will throw to those questions throughout the broadcast. So what are we going to do tonight? Uh, first of all, we will go through the rugby championship results from round three. Uh, We will analyze the game on the weekend between the Wallabies and South Africa, the amazing victory that it was. We'll then do a bit of preview for the game coming up this Saturday between the Wallabies and South Africa again uh, and just chat through some other sort of spicy news that's come up throughout the week. Uh, Let me throw this up quickly. Oh, where is it? There we go. Rugby Championship. Get involved with your questions and comments down the bottom. Look at that. Smooth. (laughs) <laughs> so one thing that has come out recently in the news uh, that's been in the last sort of 24 hours was from the South African coaching camp and it was at the press conference that was named of the team a few days ago it is a report around that South Africa is putting together a report, a video similar to what they did with Rassi Erasmus, but they've gone through the right channels this time um, and sending this on to World Rugby for review. So I don't know if you guys have had a chance yet to read the article that's come out or what are your thoughts generally around what was included in there, if you have? I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad to hear... Or, or Brett? Well, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that it's not just a private residence, a resident with a, with a Springbok shirt on this time. I'm, I'm glad that you've <laughs> gone through the, through the official channels. <laughs> yeah, it, it's an interesting one. And having sort of read the article and just seen the weekend, I think... The big issue from this is just how all these discussions that used to be private are now public. Um, the, the video that Rassi made, obviously, was um, 62 minutes of sort of going through every minute detail and more egregious than uh, what they'd normally sent through. And I think now um, Jacques Nineb is clever enough to work out, well, he can still talk about the discussions uh, that he's having without making a video and without getting in trouble. Um, and he's really just doing this to try and flag these issues so that the public are aware of it, the refs are aware of it. He took issue with two main things, which were the scrums and us blocking um, their chases off box kicks. Um, Two things that um, South African friends sort of brought up during the game. But again, just watching sort of from the Wallabies perspective, I didn't find anything too egregious. I'm sure both coaches would have found little things that they wanted to sort of pinpoint and make sure the refs are on top of next week. But um, yeah, I, I think this is more just to try and ruffle more feathers and take away from the players. And, and the thing that sits with me around this is, again, uh, they did lose the game. And so there are questions, and we'll throw one of those up in a minute that's already come through. But uh, why did they need to mention this? So they've talked about going through the correct channels, going to World Rugby, talking to the referee coaches. Why do they need to then bring it up in the media and say, yes, we've gone through the channels. We have put together another video. It comes across as quite sooky. So... <laughs> 
as Christy K5 has said, he's a bit of a sook. And <laughs> Conrad McIndoe has also asked, do South Africa make videos complaining after they win games? Well, record goes yet, to yet. show no, not so far. <laughs> yes, yet to see one. This one I, of the I things just, just, to, just oh, yep. to jump in here, just to jump yeah, in here. Ahead. Sorry, Mitch. World Rugby, World Rugby have kind of made a rod, a rod for their own back here. This is how long's it been since Rassi's video came out? They yeah. still haven't. There's still been no sanction for him, and so until they make some kind of major statement, which they should have done three weeks ago, of course South Africa will keep doing this. Why? Why wouldn't they? They'd be mad not to. And you know, they can say they've put this through the official channels all they want, but they've still put it out in public. So they're That's still, right. as as you said, Rev, they're still trying to do it officially, but they're still doing it exactly exactly the same way. So what's changed? Nothing. That's right. And one of the things that, that jumped out to me in, in the article was this quote. So we've got a framework that we work with now, which we probably didn't know about before. It's the same framework they use in the Six Nations. And obviously us as South Africa, not playing any rugby before the Georgia test, we weren't 100% sure what the process was. We didn't know what the process was. We do now. So again, that doesn't quite cut it. The, surely this process has been around for a little while now that mm. all test nations, particularly in the top five nations of the world, if not you know the top three, would know what the process is. There, there wouldn't be a process that's exclusive to the Six Nations. This would just be the process under which all internationals, as sanctioned by World Rugby, are played. I, <laughs> did they... Have they just forgotten about everything they've done since 1995? Is that what, what we're saying? That's what it seems like, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think we'll move on from that and we'll look at some of the results from the weekend. So I'll bring them up now for everyone to have a squiz at. So we this was the first time, and I believe it was the first time in history that we've had two test matches played at the same time at the same venue. So, oh, no, that's this weekend. Excuse that one. <laughs> That's for later on. Uh, so we had everyone. two games. You did warn everyone about a few <laughs> bumps. But that's fine. But There's so many different on. buttons to push at the moment. Uh, <laughs> so we the had. Of Ando. That's right. We had South Africa and Australia play at eight o'clock on Saturday night, uh, with New Zealand playing Argentina at five o'clock. Uh, the results were thirty-six nil to New Zealand for the first game and 28-26 to Australia in the second game. If we have a quick look now what that means for the, the table for uh, the rugby championship, and there it is. All right, so we have New nice Zealand on in first place on, on 15 points with a plus uh, for and against of 91 points. South Africa in second space on 10 points with a four and against of 37. Australia now in third place with four points after our win on the weekend, negative 50 points, uh, and Argentina in fourth place with no points at the moment on negative 78. So I guess, boys, first of all, how did we find having two test matches back-to-back at the same venue on the same day? I'm, I'm surprised to hear it's never been done before. I mean, not even, would there not have even been World Cup doubleheaders? Obviously, obviously not. But not, not at the same venue. Yeah, right. In those instances. There you go. Uh, I mean, from a from a viewer at home point of view, it didn't really change much, did it? It was just two games back to back, like we've always had, um, and it it didn't really it didn't even necessarily feel like though, and it, it was it was at the same ground even because it was probably what an hour between 
the end of the first game and the and the start of the Wallabies test. So um, it was a, it was a funny one, but uh, I think it's proved that it can happen. And we we had the discussion on on the raw just last week that you know are these you know double headers and mini tournaments maybe the, the the way of the future for the rugby championship? Is this something that we could we could do more of? So um, yeah, I mean it was two games of rugby back to back. My understanding and anecdotally is that. Um, ticket prices were actually pretty decent for, for two games of rugby, sort of what you'd expect to pay for one test pretty much. So, um, yeah, I would imagine it's the same, same in Brisbane this weekend and hopefully people get there in droves. It'll be interesting to see this weekend, particularly how the ticket sales go with last weekend being a Sunday afternoon game with the Wallabies yeah. kicking off eight o'clock on a Sunday. That would have affected quite a few families and, and workers who were going to work on Monday, not quite able to make it to the game. I would imagine this weekend there would be a fair few people who were very keen to get there early for that Wallabies game and carry it right on through through to the afternoon. Are you planning on getting out there at all, Griff? I'm getting a uh, early jump start on uh, my anniversary. We're going to Montville for the weekend, so not not the Fantastic. best time holiday, I'll admit. But um, <laughs> I, I think just to touch on the double headers, uh, I think last weekend showed that it can work, and this week I think will show that it's going to be fantastic you know um gold coast isn't really renowned for drawing the biggest rugby crowd so i think you know that was always going to be a bit of an issue uh factor that in with it being a sunday it, it is really hard mm. to get there at five and uh, you wouldn't have left till a bit after 10 o'clock um just yeah. based off how that game finished so i think being a saturday night um at suncorp which you know is obviously the home of rugby in queensland and arguably australia um i, I think that's a really Good opportunity and the fact that the Wallabies won there's going to be so many fair weather mm. fans that you know we're questioning what to do on a Saturday night thinking actually if we just be the best team in the world let's go out there and see if we can do it again um you know be part of the party so mm. I'm really looking forward to this but as Brett said uh, this to me just seemed like a standard Friday night or Saturday night during um mm. Super Rugby season you watch your Crusaders versus Blues or something uh five o'clock and then Reds versus Brumbies mm. afterwards it's you know so I, I think it works Great at home. I, I hope it works for people to go to the venue. On, 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 at, the goal, for... at the Gold Coast. Sorry, yeah, go I've done it again for you. You're right. You're right. At, at the Gold Coast on a Sunday, off the back of three straight Brett Bledisloe losses. Yeah. It was it was going to be a pretty hard sell, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, this, this, this weekend awesome. there's no other sport in 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 southeast Queensland that there's there's nothing else on. So hopefully it is a big crowd. And I will throw this up for fans who are wondering if they do want to head out. Just so you know. The Wallabies do play at five o'clock kickoff. They don't play the, the eight o'clock kickoff. So if you are thinking of heading out there, make sure you get there nice and early and don't show up at eight o'clock expecting to see the Wallabies and, and realize <laughs> that it's the All Blacks in Argentina that you've arrived for. Well, why don't we move now into the analysis and our review of the game on the weekend? Um, did you want to yeah, take us through that one, Rev? Yeah, yeah, happy to. Um so we could very briefly discuss uh, the New Zealand sort of routing of Argentina. Thirty-nine nil didn't make for you know pretty viewing. And the, the sad thing is seven nil after I think thirty-four or thirty-five minutes. So Argentina were right in it um, before it ran away. And we're going to touch on one bit of brilliance in that um, in a little bit. But really, the main focus is our Wallabies versus South Africa um, because taking on the uh, number one team in the world, still number one team in the world, just beat the Lions, had just won a World Cup as recently as you know. Uh, two years ago, all the pressure was on. All the head-to-head matchups said this is a Springboks win and it shouldn't be close. Uh, but the Wallabies delivered. Really, um, you know, led from the front by Quade Cooper, but Michael Hooper doing a great job equaling Gregan's record in that match. Um, just choosing all the right options, I think, for kicking a goal. 
Uh, they, they came out with, you know, eight kicks from eight from Quaid. Even though we only scored one try, I, I just think all the attacking play that we were doing was really quite inventive as well. Um, just so much to like. I, I mean, we beat 21 defenders. We only missed five tackles. When we look at our six uh, line breaks to zero, there's stats that really do look good in a sense that mm-hmm. we controlled every part of the game. And it's something that you can say very rarely about Wallaby's performances in that they seem that polished. Uh, Brett, I'll throw to you, what were some of your takeaways from that game that just did seem like a win against all odds? Um, like the main takeaway for me was that despite everything that you've just said there, I thought there was still plenty of improvement in them. That you know, There was still... Uh, yeah, the attack was the attack was good, but it was still clunky at, at times. You can still you can see that, um, that particularly in the backs, and it's unsurprisingly given the personnel involved now that there's not a lot of combination there. Um, mm. You know, Samir Karevi and Lenny Kitao obviously haven't played together um, until you know, until a week ago, and and there's there's very little combination there. I think Ikitao only ran it once for the night, uh, mm. which you know I've I mentioned during the week on the Raw, you know. Karevi's never been a big distributor, and 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 when he does finally bring that that linking game into into his arsenal, he he could be the best twelve in the world by a long, long way. Um, you know, it, it's great that Andrew Kellaway and, and 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 particularly got involved and started looking for the ball, but they shouldn't have to. I guess is the point mm-hmm. in the lad. So so I, as good as the attack was, and you're right, you know, six, six line breaks. There was however many defenders beaten it was. Um, South Africa missed twenty odd tackles. Um, it still looked like it could be a lot better, uh, and and I'm sure this way they'll they'll know they've got to step it up um, because I'll be stunned if uh, if the box missed 20 missed tackles again. Yeah, yeah. And Mitch, we did mention quite a bit there, and also like the brilliance of Samik Revy. Were there other players that stood out to you or that you liked sort of seeing throughout that match? Yeah, I mean you can't go past Quaid. You need to talk about him to start off with, and we did speak a little bit about him in in the podcast earlier this week. But I really thought that Quaid being there really calmed the back back line down a lot and really just mm. seemed to give them a, a good presence of leadership in the back line that we've probably been missing for the last few weeks. And he he made the right choices in terms of when it was the right time to take on the line or to, to play it out to Samu or um, to chip it over the top, which is something that Noah's been struggling with in the last few weeks is just sort of, I think, having that confidence to know what to do at the right time. Um, but mm. outside of that, Andrew Kellaway, Scoring another try, he just he seems to be getting better and better every test mm-hmm. match, and he just keeps, seems to pop up in all the right spots, all the right times. He's he's really starting to take some of um, Corabetti's shine at the moment because as as keen as Corabetti is to want to get over the line, it seems that Andrew Kellaway is the one that's actually doing it at the moment. Mm. He's he's genuinely one of the better finishers in in I mean comfortably in Australia, but but I would say in in, in Southern Hemisphere rugby, he's just he knows where the line is he knows how to get there i mean he had to he had to yes he stepped off his right to come back infield and beat another at least two or three guys i think to to, to cross the line it was a really really good finish we we haven't mentioned the forwards and we need to because they were excellent there was the set piece was was superb all night um valentini swinton rodder philip got through a mountain of work in defense and at the breakdown and um and then you know to see uh, to see James Slipper, particularly at the end, um, giving it to to, um, to to the Springbok front row, um, winning a couple of crucial penalties, it was just a really, really strong forwards performance. And we've not been able to say that about the Wallabies against the box for for, for many yeah. years. Right. Uh, just throwing this one out to Christy Kay, who said Andrew Kellaway, twenty twenty one, Joe Roth. 
which is a big wrap. High, high phrase. <laughs> yeah, high phrase. It's that sort of finishing, though, isn't it? It's it's yeah. just it's quality. He just knows how to get there. And I think it's something we mentioned sort of during the French series as well. Um, despite not being as big or maybe as uh, direct as Corinbetti, he's got this real knack for knowing exactly where to be. He's probably the smartest uh, back we've got in that back line at the moment, just in terms of he knows he doesn't need to make every line break. He's going to be off the shoulder or in support. Like that try he scored um, that I think Banks tried to offload and he sort of regathered off French hands like all the while back. It was just brilliant. I don't know how many other players sort of do that sort of thing. Mm. Um, and while we're mentioning, we might put up that clip of his try just to unpack a little bit because there were some great things throughout that game that we want to dive into. It looks like All we're right, getting so, the back end of that here. Where he's, yeah, we um, are. It's a gift, so it will cycle through. So we're just going to have to watch him putting the ball down. But <laughs> we can do that all night long. <laughs> and that's what we want to talk about. It's just the dive technique. You know, it's all about grounding. You know, it's not about the build-up. Um, but, no, I, I think one of the things I wanted to talk about with this, and the good thing with the extra bit of time while that gift sort of loads, is this started off the back of the Sia Khaleesi yellow card. And one mm. of the things, and I don't know how well-planned this was, but I think these guys have done their research, and Hooper in particular, um, off every defensive line out since the start of the year before that, Sia Khaleesi has defended in that sort of 10 and 12 channel. He's sort of assisting Pollard and um, Dialende as a um, as a bit of a striker. He's going to race up and make that big hit so that they're sort of cleaning up the crumbs if they need to. And with him off, that was just the piece that was missing, and they really exploited yeah. that with really quick um, turning around of the ball off the line outs. And something they did all night, Fanga would go into sort of, um, I guess, Lull and Banambi into the lineout. Hooper was constantly grabbing that, giving the pass to White and uh, McDermott, and just you know trying to get that ball out as quickly as possible. It didn't give the backs any chance to sort of assemble for the box. And to me, that set up this whole play. I know it was several phases later that the ball gets out to Callaway, but God, I was so impressed with how well they read the situation and what a step up that seems to have been from the previous weeks where we haven't really used the one-man advantage very well. Um, this week, we sucked in the numbers. We knew get some direct lines from Karevi, spread the ball wide. None of the passes were overly short. Um, and when it finally gets back to Cooper and he's got you know this great depth, he can give it to Karevi. All he has to do is beat uh, Fafta Clerk in a one-on-one, and he's set up you know the only try of the night for us. But what a fantastic try it was. And that's the, it's the playmaking of, of Cooper, isn't it? He, he, yeah. he lined Karevi up at Fafta Clerk and, and, and gave him a one-on-one. And, yeah. um, and the chance was there because Pollard was there in the backfield. We've just seen it there in the vision. And, um, and I think the, the best part of this now, we can sort of see it there in, in, that, in that little bit of vision, there's actually four other Wallabies infield of, of Kellaway in support. So, you know, if he's not making the line because um, I think it's Mapimpi is back there, there's there's four other blokes that can score that. We can we can see it really perfectly head on there. That's that's Falau Fainga running a really good support line on the inside, but then you've got Angus Bell and Lockie Swinton um, and one other. Oh, it's Tate McDermott, isn't it, just coming into field there, all ready to take that. Um, and, and, again, we we haven't seen a lot of that in recent years. The The... The ability of the Wallabies, the average Wallaby player, to present in the right spot for an op, to take an offload like that or to support a line break hasn't always been there, and that was really good to see because that's what the seventeenth minute. That's a really, really good sign. Yeah, and that's exactly what we spoke about last week on this this same segment was when we make those line breaks, our our game players don't seem to be confident in space or don't make the right decisions. We were looking last week at some clips of. Banks, who made that line break and then got bundled into touch when he need probably needed to put it on the toe, mm. and 
another clip of uh, Korobedi getting getting that break from Samu Karevi through the that first try that was disallowed. But when he got into space, there was no one there for him to actually offload to. So like you've just said there, Brett, um, we've got four options there for that offload. So again, maybe that comes from playing the Springboks, a little bit more confidence than playing the All Blacks. But this team just seemed to really want it this week. We've we've just we've just seen it perfectly there in that on that angle has just shown that the the pass from Cooper to Karevi got him outside Lacanio Am who'd who'd shot straight up and that puts him on a one on one with Faf de Klerk and I mean Faf's a he's a he's a pretty tough defender but he was no chance in that particular yeah. situation so they 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 finished it really well. And it does seem funny. This isn't one of the areas we were specifically going to target, but even seventy um, fifth minute where we get that sort of Michael Hooper break where he links up with Reese Hodge mm-hmm. towards the end of the match. Again, that this was is isolating. A, just a still photo as well we've got of of when um yeah when that, that Cooper gets perfectly. the ball. In there. So, so if you if you if you look at, if you look at that, and I'm pointing to my screen now, that's obviously no help. But <laughs> it's it's it, I think it's 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 about this come up. He, he's the he's the bloke straight on in front of Coop, uh, Cooper there now, and it's. Lacanio Am off his left shoulder. So there's two really good um, you know, decoy runners in front of Karevi there, but the pass puts the ball out and puts Karevi outside Lacanio Am. And that's that's where the one-on-one comes. And uh, and it was look, it was a I questioned the pass at the Kellaway at the time. I wondered whether <laughs> they might have sent it upstairs because it's oh, <laughs> I, I think describing it flat is, as flat is is a bit generous. <laughs> but yeah. It was it was just it was just really, really good play. And that's not taking anything away from Anything Noel Alessio has done um, over the um, uh, over the last you know six tests against France and and, and the and the All Blacks, but this is what experience brings. This is the difference. Exactly. Yeah. And I think South Africa would have done their research because this picture, if it's Noel Alessio at the helm, it does look like the crossfield kick is an option, and and that's sort of yeah. been the way that he has taken that. You can see all that space yeah. between Kellaway and Larue all the way back there. That looks prime for a kick, but that's exactly what the box would want mm. you to do. And and so I think this this picture, um, you know, you can nearly hang it up somewhere in the Louvre. It it does really show what a great job they've done, just piecing all the <laughs> spots exactly where they want and utilizing that one man overlap. Yeah, and so you, remember, you remember last you remember last week that that Lolosio did play that crossfield kick to Kellaway. Yeah, uh, it was on it was on penalty advantage, admittedly, but he he did play that. Um, that crossfield kick and Kellaway was saying, "What are you doing?" That was the chance to yeah. put it through the hands, and so yeah. you know. And there's, this is a comment from Steve Lenthal straight for you, Brett. Uh, they call that pass to Kellaway aggressively yeah. flat. Yeah, I think, um, I think Steve made that point to me at the time, funnily enough. <laughs> yeah. uh, Mitch, did you want to go through the uh, Matt Phillip yellow card or were you going yeah. through the scrums? I'll um, chuck that up now. While I'm getting this ready, uh, one of the things that's come in from Hugh Tyndall is a question there. Uh, I'll let you boys chat that, that through while I get this ready. Yeah, um, and, he's, and he's, he's spot on, isn't he? It was, it was the, the forwards absolutely had, had parity. And, you know, that was the, the box were able to play that game against the Lions through that series. You know, they were just able to bash them up through the middle, but they didn't have the same success. They didn't carry anywhere near as well, um, in the, surprisingly so, um, against the Wallabies' defence. And, and when the Wallabies did carry straight back at them, they played a really direct game on, on Sunday night. Um, suddenly there were dents and there were missed tackles and there were clean breaks. And, and no doubt there would be, it became a bit of a downward spiral of, of pressure on the defensive line. Yeah, one of the things that seemed to strike me with that, and just upon sort of re-watching it again without the, 
the stress or the emotion of wondering how we'd go was <laughs> seeing that so many of our passes were actually wider than what uh, the British Irish Lions were contouring. They were doing a lot of those short mm. sort of pop passes. A lot of our passes did seem to be at least sort of five metres. And while it's not a massive difference, it was just trying to make it more of a, you know, a, a group tackle into really just a one-on-one trying to isolate defenders and really such a small difference, but something that did seem to, you know, work in the ball of his favours, given they definitely didn't have the size advantage leading into it. All right, here we go. I've got it up now. So one of the things I wanted to chat through with this one particularly was just the more defence and the technicalities around this yellow card and how hard it is for teams to actually stop them all. So the box go up, they come, they come down. Philip has come through the middle of that mall there and he's come back around the, the back there and seized on the ball. So the mall then gets collapsed here, goes to ground, and he gets pinged for collapsing that. Mm. Now, Brett, you're probably a little bit more... Um, experience in the mall department, being a Brumbies cool. fan than I am. <laughs> bang, My bang initial it. thoughts around this are that how can you collapse or pull down a mall if you're the player on top? Like if you've come around and grabbed the top of it. Yeah, it's it's all it's all about the picture you present, and and the context in that is that Australia had already been warned and penalised at least once before that for driving early in the lineout. Mm. So, so Luke Pearce is has already put them on notice. He's already, um, he's already, you know, inadvertently, subconsciously, he's he's looking for the Wallabies to do something wrong here. And unfortunately, mm. right at that point there now, Matt Phillip ends up on the ground and he's pulling down. So, um, you know. If he was around the ball and the ball carrier and he sort of rode, the, rode him to ground and that's the picture he was able to present, then it's probably play on and the Wallabies have sacked it properly. But unfortunately, because he's lost his footing or whatever he's done, he's ended up on the ground himself pulling down. The, the picture's pretty clear there to Luke Phillip. And, mm-hmm. and having just warned them and just penalised them, he had to go to the pocket, unfortunately. I don't think there's, um, I don't think there's too much trouble arguing with that, with that one. It's the way he... The way he emerged back on the ball is is not unlike how Darcy Swain finished up one of the French the French tests. It was might have been the yep. first test or the third test. I can't remember. He suddenly sort of he was speared off, and then suddenly he was back in it, and then suddenly he was on the ball. Yeah. Um, and and in that occasion, he just he grabbed the ball, just rode it down, and and that was that was it. It was again the just the, the picture he presented. So I guess in this instance, what can players do legally to stop a mall like that? <laughs> Gee, you could uh, get a lot of money if you got the answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If we could, if we could answer that, would be a highly paid coaching consultant, wouldn't we? Like, it's realistically, you know, I guess I'll say the same thing. If you can present the right picture, you can get away with it. But the fact that they were already on warning, um, they'd already been penalised, uh, you know, realistically, unless South Africa score there, there's probably a penalty coming. That's that's just the way the game and the way the driving mall um, in attacking zones like that seems to be officiated these days. And whether it's right or wrong, um, that that seems to be the way it's that's the way it's done. And you could say that about pretty much every line out drive five meters out. I love um I love Hooper's little involvement here, which potentially stops the try being scored because Fafter clerks at the back scrambling to try and get his hands yeah. on the ball and Hooper <laughs> yeah. just sits there and he just puts his arms up like I'm I'm not in the way and then yeah. Faf ends up having to take him out to the side it's just it's brilliant 
Um, of which, of which Hooper then grabbed hold of him and kept pulling him to make sure that he was out. Take him to ground as well. Yeah. yeah. So it completely takes him out of the the play. So Ball Productions has said Philip comes from behind, puts his weight on it, look at his body position. I think yeah. right call. And, I do have one photo. What, yep. That's probably what contributes to him. That's probably what contributes to him losing his losing his footing too. Um, and 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 as soon as he was ending up on the ground like that, it's going to look like you're trying to collapse a mall any every day. So do we have one oh, there, so there potential? There, yeah. Yeah. So that player on the ground there is actually Falaf Fayinga. So yeah, right I'm on. wondering if if it's actually Falaf Fayinga who ends up pulling them all down because at this instance, Phillip's still on his feet just in front of Hooper. Um, it's Falaf Fayinga that ends up on the ground and they trip over him and end up going to ground. So we potentially could have seen a red card on the weekend with Falaf Fayinga getting that second yellow in the second half. Um, but <laughs> yeah, sliding door moments, let's be yeah. happy that that didn't happen. Yeah. Probably, it's probably probably fair to say then that 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 maybe Matt the way Matt Phillip ended up, ended up back on the ball wasn't entirely legal anyway, and that's why he got pinged. <laughs> yeah, the challenge now is I think because um, Matthew Carl is going to be the referee this weekend, and just being an Englishman um, as Luke Pearce is, they've, they've obviously done a lot of the same competitions, so they're probably going to have at least a similar style of play they're used to. I think for him having the picture of did the Springboks scored all three of their tries from rolling malls. Um, the Wallabies didn't have much of an answer to it other than sort of infringing and sort of driving early. Uh, it's going to be a tough ask, I think, for McKellar to come up with a solution to that in the six days of just, you know, how can we actually stop them legally? Um, and oh, I'm very keen to see, as we discuss the team, how um, how those changes might actually be able to help. And I think we've already mentioned some of the players. So I'm keen to dive into the team if you guys... Uh, I just Ready wanted to chuck up the um the clips of us getting some we spoke about it before so the scrum dominance that in oh, key yeah. pivotal points which were very important for us this week so this is right on half time uh sixteen eleven is the score at yeah. the moment South Africa's feed and we just absolutely demolish their scrum turn it over get a penalty which we end up converting so we go up half time eighteen uh, nineteen sorry to eleven with an eight point buffer which is massive particularly for a player like Angus Bell he's very pivotal in that position. Yeah. Um, and was, then similar, I'll just throw up as well before we move off, because I, I am conscious of the time, is the scrum up full time as well. Yeah. And you can say what you, you can keep going, Brett. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, you'd see, seeing that in that previous one, it was Al um, Alatoa and, and, and Fanga, just that their second shove away to the right, just speared um, Kitchoff off effectively, popped up their, their front row as well, their, their, uh, their hooker as well. And, just superb scrum, like five meters out from the defensive line. What was it? Fifteen seconds before half time. Um, you know, the slip slipper was superb in that last ten minutes. This is the last scrum of the game, isn't it? And yeah, yeah. again, they've got that shove away. Um, I know South Africa will be saying something about Taniela Tupo's angling in, but you know, such as his power that he can just he just goes for that gap between tight head and hooker, and it looks like he is angling in because that's the the impact that he has through there. But, um, yeah, Slipper did a fantastic job there as well. Well, the reason as well that they're not getting pulled up is South uh, Australia is the dominant scrum there. We've gone forward. They've yeah. gone backwards two metres. So to then start claiming that they've been hard done by, uh, you probably need to win your own hit and then put pressure on to to get yeah. the penalty in your favour. But also this penalty here isn't actually for the scrum. The scrum, it was play on from the base of that, no. that scrum and it was the turnover from Nick White that really... Ended up sealing the game for us. That's Nick White winning a uh, winning a breakdown pilfer penalty. He'll be take, he'll be framing that still shot. He'll be oh, hanging I, that over the hoop for the rest of his life. 
<laughs> Speaking of Nick White, let's dive into the uh, team previous because we've seen the team listen. I think um, Nick White's obviously want to talk about with his inclusion. We want to do South of... Africa or Australia first? Oh, I'm easy either way. Whichever one comes up. Let me get those up for you. Keep talking. Well, they didn't make too saying... many changes from memory, did they? The, the, the box? No, both teams really similar from uh, yeah. last week, which is nice. I think gives um, all senses to the players that, you know, they know that they can do better. I think that's probably going to be the message from Ninaba is, um, you know, they're a championship uh, team. They just need to show that they can do that. So they're given another chance. Um, we'll go through the team. One of the changes first up is Trevor Niakani coming in at Lucid Prop. Uh, he's partnered again by uh, Bongi Banambi and Franz Malherba. Eben Esabeth's at lock again, but this time partnered by Marvin Ori, who comes in for the injured Luta Yaga. Uh, and then they return the same back row of Sia Khaleesi, Franco Mostert, and Dwayne Vermeulen. Uh, and then an unchanged back line as well, which is nice to see because these guys, when they get going, are uh, just absolutely rapid and they obviously didn't get much of a chance to run with the ball. So we're going to see De Klerk, Pollard, um, Pimpi, Dialende, Am, and Kosi, and LaRue. Uh, not much change on the bench. The only difference is Oxenshade drops out of the 23 completely and Stephen Kitschoff takes his place at Lucid Prop on the bench. That's going to be a massive challenge for the Wallabies, I think, just having a prop of his colour coming off. But, I mean, there's not really a bad back, uh, sorry, a bad front row that they can name. So a very interesting challenge. And I think when we look at the Wallabies team, that decision becomes even more uh, vital because this will be the first test Ever under Rennie without Alan Alatoa. Um, so it's going to be a very Is that interesting. Right? Yeah. Up, up to this point, all games have had Taniela Tupo and Alan Alatoa as the two tight heads. Um, so this is a whole heap of pressure on uh, young Tom Robertson. But just as we get to the starting team for the Wallabies, Slipper comes yep, in at yep. loose. We've got uh, <laughs> uh, Falafanger and Taniela Tupo in the front row. So nice reward for Tupo to get his start. Uh, Isaac Rodder and Phillip retain their spots with Lockie Swinton, Michael Hooper, and Rob Valentini in the back row again. Nick White jumps into the starting team. Uh, really, I think, can we say squarely off the back of his 50-22, either that or his throwing of the mouth guard <laughs> when there was the LaRue knockdown. Or the turnover uh, and the full time. I mean, he's just done so much. He's deserved <laughs> the spot. But, I, I mean, either him or McDermott could start, you'd be happy. Uh, he's partnered by the same back line. Uh, Quade Cooper at 10, Marika Conbetti 11, Samu Karevi and Lenny Katow keeping their centre partnership going with Andrew Kellaway at 14 and Tom Banks at 15. Uh, there is a little change uh, to the bench. It's good to see Kai too keep his spot. Angus Bell drops back to reserve. Tom Robertson gets his first uh, test cap opportunity since 2018. Uh, very interesting. He's going to be playing the tight head position if he gets on, it seems, just based off numbering. Uh, Darcy Swain comes back in after one week off with injury, and then the same bench of Samu McDermott. Oh, sorry, McDermott's changed in. Uh, but the same bench of Samu Hodge and Pattaya uh, joining that lot. A lot to unpack with that lot. And just as we mentioned, Kitchoff coming um, off the bench, I think for him to be coming up against Tom Robertson, who hasn't played a test since 2018, in his 73 professional games or whatever, it's even more, I think his 80 professional games between Waratahs, Force, and Wallabies. He's only started at tight head once. Yeah. It, it's yeah. really not his bread and butter. I know he can play both sides uh, to some degree, and he's gone off the bench and done a pretty good job at tight head. Uh, at, you know, at super level and a few tests uh, back in 2017. But this is a massive step up. So, I mean, I've just been talking names for what seems like five minutes. 
Um, Brett, <laughs> are there any changes here that you know you do see as slight areas of concern, or for the most part, the Wallabies oh. have made a good side? No, I'm I'm with you in that in that I'm I'm glad um, I'm glad he's 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 minimised the changes. Uh, I think I, I think White makes makes sense. I, I think um, you know the, the impact he's been making off the bench um, has just been getting better and better each time. And and I think it was pretty clear last week that that, that McDermott wasn't 100% fit by halftime, and that was a good change at halftime. So um, obviously the shin injury for McDermott isn't so bad that he can't play, but I. I wouldn't be surprised if if White played, you know, sixty or seventy minutes this week. Realistically, McDermott's played every game I think so far, albeit um, uh, Gordon started the first two tests against France. Robertson coming off the bench at tight head gives you an idea of how um, how oh, how scant I suppose the, the the troops are getting because uh, you know Alatoa coming going going back to Canberra for the the birth of a child, um, obviously two post starts, but now you realise why suddenly Greg Holmes was 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 in the Wallaby squad and, and not just with a, with a coaching clipboard in hand. He had to bring the boots as well because, <laughs> um, you know, a combination of of injuries and unavailability and, and border closures, particularly, that's that's really had an impact there. It's the it's the same reason that you know suddenly Sean McMahon's in there. It's the same reason why uh, Liam Wright was added added the other week as well. It's it's ba- they're basically adding who they can, where they can, and where they can get them. So uh, it, it'll be a it'll be a huge chance. Yeah, Robertson, I've got a memory. The Waratahs tried to switch him to, to tight head. And he did play off the bench as a tight head for a bit. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I think he's. I think loose head's been his his preferred and better position. He's his scrummaging at loose head for the force this year has been fantastic uh, all, all season. So yeah. it's a big ask for him coming on against. Who it'll it'll be a kitsch off later in the in the game as well. So uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be really really interesting there. Um, um, Swain back is is interesting. He's obviously got over his injury because I thought Rob Deota was was excellent last week and he's made a really good fist of lock this year, being a back rower himself. But he's he's he quickly became the sort of number one lock for um for the Rebels this year, didn't he? And yeah. and otherwise they're all it's all pretty. I think it all sort of makes sense um you know bell was great last week but but that obviously was about managing slippers minutes and links too um so it all looks pretty good to me i think is this the the most western force players in a 23 for the last five years well one yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well two i suppose well, two counting, robinson and, and rodder yeah, yeah true. Three. true yeah that's true that's true yep. yeah well, well, on the colors but he's yeah it's a fair point I'll claim him yeah yeah i mean oh, yeah, we've I probably just... got to we've probably got to add the caveat that two of those five years that you're putting into the equation there mitch they weren't in the competition they didn't so. exist that's right <laughs> <laughs> point stand don't tell any force fans that <laughs> yeah, what, what I, are the I, thoughts around james o'connor do i don't mind yeah I, I don't actually don't mind that they've left him out i, I don't think it matters that he's that he's regaining fitness on the training track and and with all respect um to them i think argentina is the time to ease him back into test rugby i I think they will be wanting to try and finish the um uh, they'll be wanting to finish the job against south africa they've they've never won two tests in a row under dave rennie as well so you know there's a real opportunity for them this week yeah that's one of the challenges thrown in as well um 
sorry, I'll get back to yeah. you in a sec, Rev. Just maybe Tupo will play seventy or something like he does for the Reds this week. Yeah, if he if he can, there's a is a, a chance. But um, the the South African front row might have something to say about that too. Um, yeah, and sure. they and and if they if they can get their strong carrying game and make force Tupo to make a lot of upfront tackles, then they'll tire him out and they'll 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 force the change earlier. So um, it's I guess it's up to the box ball carriers and, and set pieces as to how long Tupo plays. Yeah. Oh, I'm just glad that Tupo got mentioned again because the one thing that I sort of thought might happen coming into the weekend, I still kind of wish they had done, was we saw during the Super Rugby season when Alan Alato had his uh, red card, uh, James Slipper jumped across for two of those games at Tighthead. And I think just in the, the event of trying to get the best players out of the field that have had that recent experience, We've got Scott Co sort of waiting in the wings, who's been healthy. I, I think you could have had Bell and Co as your loose heads, and Tupo starting at tight and Slipper coming off the bench. And at least that way, you, you're getting someone that's played a whole heap of recent tests. He's played some recent uh, games at tight head as well, just coming off the bench because we knew they were going to have a strong, uh, you know, set piece to contest with anyway. So, look, it's a massive challenge for Tom Robinson, but I think, you know, he's shown that he's. He can match it at uh, super level, so I'm very keen to see him get given the chance because he very quietly accrued sort of, well, this would be his 25th cap. So that, that's a decent amount of numbers. That's sort of in that sort of 20 to 30 cap range that you know we're sort of mm. hoping that most of our players get to. And that's one thing. Um, I've been quite impressed with Dave Rennie in terms of him knowing when players are ready for test to bring into the test arena. Uh, some of the younger guys, but also some of the older guys coming back. So... He doesn't seem like he's going to put players in there that aren't quite ready and aren't going to fit his game plan and his game style and get the job done for him. Uh, we've already seen that with introducing, like I was skeptical about bringing in Leota and um, Kaitu last week, just wondering how long they've been in camp and, and taking that next step. Mm. But they both didn't look out of place in the Wallabies. So he's clearly got an idea of what they're contributing on the training paddock. And Robinson obviously is doing enough to get that call up this week, which is good to see. Neither would have played a game in three months, would they? No. <laughs> well, they had a they had an unofficial hit out the week before, yeah, the, week two weeks ago against the yeah. Western Force. But outside of that, yes, it's been a long, long time on mm. the training paddock. Yeah, it makes it makes their performances all about. And and Kaitu was was excellent. He's a he's a good scrummager. He's got the combination with Robertson. Up front as well, um, and he's he's good around the ground. He 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 knows how to hit a ruck. He's that. Um, he's one of those modern hookers who's, you know, a would-be seven almost. And that's kind of what we've been missing. I, I like one of the things you brought up. I think it must have been in, um, I think it was your article for ABC last night, Brett, but just talking about how that um, hooker jersey, it's really only had the two starters this whole time. It's really been a fight between yeah. BPA and Feinger. And there has been that use of, um, will I see Kaitu, Lonigan, uh, all off the bench and, they still really haven't found quite the right um, mix there. And I, I do find it sort of interesting, and I'm keen to hear your thoughts on hooker, but also fullback. They were sort of highlighted early on as the two positions we didn't necessarily have a standout. Uh, but yet it seems that he's really persisted with BPA and Feinger as its starters. And Tom Banks mm. is the only player other than Hooper who's started every test this year under Rennie. So mm. yeah. it's... Um, it does seem like he's really just trying to develop them into the players that you know we're sort of hoping they'll be, as opposed to just trying every answer um, and hoping that one of them just happens to be that. So, mm-hmm. are you sort of in agreement with that method of just persevering with um, Feinger and Banks for the time being? 
Uh, I mean, we'll talk about, talk about hooker for a minute. I was actually a little bit surprised that they had, that he's only used five hookers in, uh, in in two seasons. Now, I actually expected the number might have been a bit higher than that because for the very reason you say, it sort of feels like he hadn't quite made up his mind there. But then you realise when you look through the teams that uh, Pangra Mosa um, um, started a lot of games last year, has started a lot of games this year as well. It's actually been, it's been the number 16 jersey is, is where the yeah. tweaks have, have come. So um yeah he's trying to find he's it's, it's obviously it's building depth there's a bit of uh, a bit of com- uh, competition there they know that Lachlan Lonigan is going to be pretty handy in the uh, in the future um I think these tests are a bit of a um, an opportunity for that for Falau Fuenga to prove his worth going forward um because you know they they know that there's some some guys in the background floating there they've had a look at Connell McInerney um, before we know Alex Murphy's been in the mix as well. Um, you know, so um, there's you know Tom Horton at the Waratahs when he's when he's fit there as well. Um, yeah, so, as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly right. He's he's been in, in the mix there. So uh, yeah, there's been it feels like there's been a lot of change, but there actually hasn't been a lot of different players used. So that's that's an interesting. Banks, I think, is an interesting one. I'm he's a potentially unpopular opinion, but I don't think he's been anywhere near as bad as what is being made out. Um, you know, he he spilled a couple of balls early on last week, but other than that, he actually adjusted pretty well and was pretty safe under the high ball. And and I'm not entirely convinced that um, you know Reese Hodge, for example, um, is going to be any better under the South African kick than uh, than Banks is. And uh, you know, the ability to to bust the bust a tackle and accelerate into space is is part of Banks' game that I don't think Hodge has. Uh, whether O'Connor can bring that sort of thing, if he gets tried there in the next few weeks, we'll find out, I suppose. But um, for the moment, I think Banks has performed pretty consistently. Um, sure, we'd 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 love him to do a bit more, maybe. But I actually think he's been been pretty consistent. And the fact that Rennie hasn't made the change there perhaps tells you that the alternates really aren't as strong as we think they are. Mm, yep. And that's the one thing that's, I think, hardest for everyone on the sidelines and sitting at home to take into consideration is that Rennie probably knows a little bit more than us. And I'm not <laughs> saying he definitely so. does, I but he, so. he might know more than us just based off his proximity. So I, I will throw it out there because I, I know just seeing social media, when Banks didn't kick it out, everyone was calling for his head, saying Hodge yeah. needs to replace him. And then at the end of uh, the match over the weekend, when Hodge does that aerial kick, you know, 79 minutes in, uh, straight to no one. Everyone's saying, "Oh, he should never be in the twenty-three again." And the same people saying that he should be the fifteen. So it's yeah. one bad decision can really um, sort of ruin that. But I, I recognise we're already going over time because you don't have sort of Ando coming in and telling you know, us to stop. So that's right, Mitch. I'm, <laughs> Let's I'll, move I'll, on to our predictions for this game. Who? Um, so we'll start with you, Brett. What's your prediction for the game on the weekend? How do you see it going? Well, they'll always only have to win by one, don't they? Um, at yep. this at this time of year, if they can if they can win by eight, then that stops South Africa getting a bonus point. So that that that'd be handy. Look, I'd I'd, I'd love them to go on and, and finish the job because there's been so many instances over the last uh, you know the last two seasons and even beyond that. This certainly isn't a uh, uh, isn't a phenomenon that's um, isolated to David Rennie, Dave Rennie's reign as well as his coach. They they just haven't been able to string. Um, string wins together, and, and I mentioned before they've they've never won consecutive tests under Dave Rennie. So this is a real opportunity to do it. And beating the South Africans, the current world champion, twice in a row would be a massive statement of um, of not just intent, but I think it would be a bit of recognition of quality because there's 
Yeah. There's certainly a train of thought out there that you know that the Wallabies aren't aren't that crash hot, and there's and they've given they've given reason for that. They've given ammunition for that for that train of thought. But I think anyone that's watched them reasonably closely over the last you know few months can can see that there's there's actually some pretty good rugby being being played there. And if they can find a method that works for them, then then they're going to be challenging. If they Keep winning like this. All of a sudden, they're they're in touching distance of Ireland in in number four on the rankings. Um, you know, South Africa had their lead at the top halved over New Zealand. So there's there's change afoot potentially here, and I think there's a, the chance for the Wallabies to really um, to really make a statement over the, the rest of the rugby championship and the spring tour as well. So I hope it starts this weekend. I, I hope they 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 win and put in another performance. You know, better than last weekend because it'll be it'll be absolutely phenomenal if they if they can. I think I read somewhere the other day that if we win on the weekend against South Africa and they go on to lose against New Zealand, New Zealand will take first and we'll go into third. That's what I, yeah. in the world rankings. I, I don't proclaim to know how the rankings work, but that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, I'm sure I've heard of a scenario where the Wallabies could finish the rugby championship as high as, or maybe by the spring tour, they could they could be as high as third even. So, yeah. Um, I'll absolutely stand corrected if that's not not right, but yeah, yeah gives, no one can it gives you an out. idea of yeah, yeah, and it gives you an idea of how tight things are that between mm. um, who's who's third currently it must be England, England third, England. yeah, I think yeah. between England in third and wherever Wales are now, are they about seventh. There's uh, there's not seventh or eighth. Yeah, yeah, there's there's not much. There's they're all in the you know low eighties in terms of rankings points. So. Mm. Um, yeah, it'd be a huge result if uh, if the Wallabies can win this week. Let's hope, let's hope they do. Yeah. So, what did you say? What was your pick? You got to put it down. Oh, uh, uh, I said I said by one, and then I said by eight. So, you know, either or, I don't mind. In there, I'll go Wallabies <laughs> by three. I think oh they're going to be up for it. We've got a good record at SunCorp. It's been mm. like nine tests on the trot now. So, we'll keep that. Keep that going. Not a lot of changes for both sides. I expect South Africa to play fairly similarly to what they did this weekend. Um, maybe uh, take some advantages around, or turn, uh, tune up some of their kicking and not make as many mistakes. But uh, we've this team's shown that we can match it against them. So Wallabies by three. Jeez, you're making me be the the pessimist on this, and I'm the Queenslander. <laughs> I should be really back in the the Suncorp victory. I... I, I do agree with um, something that I brought up right at the start, which was that this wasn't the Wallabies at their best. They've still got room for improvement. And, and I agree with that. I was watching that and thinking, oh, there were moments here where we could have done little bits differently. Uh, but at the same time, I was watching thinking, gee, the Springboks left a lot of points out there. Um, like I am sort of knocking that on over the line. I think it was 10 points through kicks. There are a few opportunities where I just thought, you know, Nkosi and Mbimpi are getting up under the ball. If it gets out to them a little bit smoother, it's just a bit more dangerous. I do really think the Wallabies uh, can impress. And I think last week I said string box by 18 because I thought we didn't send a chance. This week, like, I still can't bring myself to say that we're better player for player uh, looking at their team. So I think it's spring box, but I'm, I'm going to say by six. Um, okay. I mean, and that is all head talking. Like internally, <laughs> I'm screaming at myself saying, what are you talking about? We'll lose by 20. We can do it. Uh, but... Uh, I'll, I'll dial that back for a bit just to say I still think, you know, this is the big test. You know, we yeah. beat them last week. It's all about how we back up. I'd love two consecutive wins because uh, that does really build in nicely to the end of the year too. Mm. We'll quickly the run through box. some of the comments from the 
They've got Ball Productions, who says box by eight. Conrad McIndoe's gone. Wallabies by 12. We have well, Hugh Tindall, who said right. yeah. box by one. <laughs> uh, and then Tim Foster said Wallabies by two. Yeah. Uh, I, Hugh Tindall also says... Yeah. Wallabies seem to love close finishes. <laughs> My heart doesn't. I think we're all yeah. sitting there in agreement with that. Yeah, I know that feeling. The the box haven't ever won at Suncorp. Am I right in saying that? Oh, I, th- I thought it's not they been had for a while. It. If they have, yeah, it's, it hasn't it's, been for a long yeah, while. Again, I'll I'll stand corrected. But I their record. I mean, their record in Australia isn't great, but their record in Brisbane, like plenty mm. of good teams, isn't great either. Oh, how much would we love a forty-nine nil? What was that? Two thousand and six, <laughs> I think. Just oh. where we absolutely ran rampant. I mean, if that happens, just chalk us up as twenty twenty-three champions. There's no point having the. Yeah, just cup. give us the trophy now. <laughs> just give it to us. Even... <laughs> just, save for the bold calls, but far too late. If you've stuck with us for now, you're hearing the the madness come to fruition. But um, look, I'm liking all the positivity. Obviously, the the comments are a lot more positive and optimistic than I am. So. I'm hoping you guys are on the money because um, I definitely won't be bragging about a, an accurate prediction if that ends up being the case. <laughs> the, one last the point. The, the, the Rayburn Shield yeah. comment there is, is interesting. That's the, 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 the mythical shield that's tracked its way all the way back to the start of rugby. And, and I yeah. sort of knew who had it there for a few years, but I have to admit I'd lost track of it until last weekend and then discovered that the Wallabies actually have won the mythical shield off, uh, of, off South Africa. So. That's Hold right. We it. are the current holders of the Rayborn Shield, so we will take that and we will run with it and we will hold it again this weekend. You heard it <laughs> first. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, I think we should wrap things up. So thank you so much, Brett, for your time tonight. We've had one final comment come in from NRC Sydney who said, it's so great to hear Brett back <laughs> and he misses the old days of the NRC season previews. So I hope, yeah. we're all hoping that we can get some form of NRC back in the next few years even faster hopefully yeah well I, and i think i think this time of year shows that something is needed and i saw and i can't think where where i've seen it. i don't know if it was on socials or in an online comment somewhere but the point was made that new zealand new zealand rugby professionally will play something like 130 or 160 games in the back half of this year australia mm. will play 13 that's right. And that's and that's crazy. They're all test matches, obviously. So yeah, we, we definitely need some sort of, you know, semi-professional, whatever it is. We need some sort of competition back at this end of the year. And um, you know, it's it's probably for another night. My my I, I still maintain that the cheapest, easiest, quickest, most logical, least offensive way to do it is to move Super Rugby AU to this back end of the year and play it as a five or a six team competition if you could bring Fiji in. It's it's yeah, just yeah. it's easy. The players are contracted, the structures are there. I know the states have talked about it. I know the CEOs have talked about it. Let's just hope that um, that something comes of it. Awesome. Well thanks everyone for the time tonight. Thanks for tuning in and uh, we'll catch you all next week. <laughs>